The Birds of the Galapagos by Lita Cosner and Jonathan Sarfati. Originally published June 2009. Two thousand nine was the bicentennial of the birth of Charles Darwin, eighteen o nine to eighteen eighty two, most famous for his book on the origin of species by means of natural selection, or also known as the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life, eighteen fifty nine. Many of his ideas came from his voyage on H M S Beagle, eighteen thirty one to eighteen thirty six and in particular his month-long stay in 1835 on the intriguing Archipelago de Colón, better known as the Galapagos Islands, 972 kilometers, or 604 miles, west of Ecuador. The strange variety of creatures on these islands fascinated Darwin, including the giant tortoises from which they derived their name, Spanish Galapago, that is in quotes, saddle, after the shells of saddle-backed Galapagos tortoises. But the creatures that allegedly provided inspiration for Darwin's evolutionary ideas and alleged disproof of creation were the varieties of birds. The birds on the Galapagos Islands show an amazing adaptation to their environment and provide excellent examples of the ability of animals to adapt to changing conditions. The flightless cormorant's wings no longer function for flight, and it is able to swim and dive for prey better than its cousins who are still able to fly. The blue-footed, red-footed, and masked boobies show the variety of behaviors and appearances they can develop within the same kind. The 13 species of Galapagos finch show various beak sizes to be able to consume different foods and even exhibit new behaviors. But are any of these variations examples of evolution? And how does the biblical creation model explain them? The flightless cormorant is the only variety of cormorant that lives on the Galapagos Islands, and is the only variety of cormorant that cannot fly. It has even been classified as a different genus. It is the genus Nenopterum, while other cormorants belong to the genus Phalacrocorax. Say that three times fast. The changes to the flightless cormorant underwent are similar to that of other flightless birds. The keel on the breastbone which supports the muscles used for flight is much smaller, and its legs are much stronger than those of other cormorants. Not needing to use its wings for flight, its wings have deteriorated in ways that would have been eliminated in flying birds. For example, its feathers are softer and more hair-like, much like the feathers of other flightless birds. Since the flightless cormorants could not have swum from the mainland to the islands, it never ventures more than 100 meters or 330 feet from shore while fishing. How did it arise? Darwin proposed that it developed from cormorants that had flown to the island, but those descendants had lost their ability. Now we realize that loss occurred through a mutation, or genetic copying mistake. Such a mutation would normally be harmful for a bird species, but many have been beneficial to the cormorants on that particular island. This would be similar to the case of flightless beetles on windy islands that are more likely to survive, while the beetles that can fly are more likely to be swept away. Or else it may have simply been a case of reduced selection pressure, with none of the mainland predators and plentiful food in the area, loss of flight would be a less serious disadvantage, much like cave creatures that lose their sight over generations. 
However, this would not be an example of evolution. The mutation that caused the flightless cormorant to lose the ability to fly is an example of a loss of genetic information. Goo to you evolution would require changes that result in new genetic information. The name they use, booby, is likely a corruption of the Spanish bobo, clown, or dunce, since it has an unusual dance, and also their naive landing on boats meant that they could be captured easily. Boobies have forward-pointing eyes that give them stereoscopic vision, depth perception, and catch fish by spectacular plunge diving from high in the air, hitting the water at 100 kilometers, that is 60 miles per hour. It is easy to tell males and females apart by their sounds. Males make a hoarse whistle while females croak. They incubate their eggs by warming them with their feet, which have an increased blood supply, and the chicks keep warm by standing on their parents' feet for the first month. There are three varieties in the Galapagos, the blue-footed, red-footed, and mast boobies. They are all members of the same family and are not only different in appearance but also in behaviors. The blue-footed and red-footed boobies mate throughout the year, while the mast boobies have an annual mating cycle that differs from island to island. All catch fish in a similar manner, but in different areas. The blue-footed booby does its fishing close to shore, while the mast booby goes slightly farther out, and the red-footed booby fishes at the farthest distances from shore. They also have different nesting environments. The blue-footed booby nests in the rocks close to shore, the mast booby nests on high cliffs, and the red-footed booby nests in trees. Because of their different nesting and fishing sites, there is very little competition between the three species. The bright foot colors are caused by both pigments, yellow carotenoids, like those that cause the orange of carrots, and structure, collagen fibers just beneath the skin. The different appearances are nothing more than varieties originally within a kind. They likely act as mate recognition signals to attract mates of similar behaviors. Also, male foot brightness changes quickly with the state of his health, a helpful indicator to females seeking a mate. The Galapagos finches are more famous than the other two families of birds and are commonly cited as a prime example of evolution. Indeed, the example that allegedly inspired Darwin's theory. Darwin postulated that all the varieties of finches, with varying beaks suited for their different food sources, were all descended from the same sort of finch and the different varieties of finches arose over time. This was actually reasonable. Suppose some finches from the genetic information for a wide variety of beaks came to the islands in a storm, and that some were on an island where the main food source was hard seeds. Birds with genes for thick and strong beaks could cope with them better, so would be better fed, and thus more likely to leave offspring. But birds on an island with few seeds but lots of grubs would do better with longer and thinner beaks, so they could poke deeper into the ground and pull out their prey. This is indeed an example of adaptation and natural selection, but note that it actually removes genes from the populations. On seed-rich islands with few grubs, information for long, slender beaks would likely be lost, while the information for thick, strong beaks would be lost on grub-rich, seed-poor islands. So this changes in the opposite direction from goo-to-you evolution, which requires new genes with new information. It can hardly be overemphasized. Natural selection is not evolution. Indeed, 
natural selection was discovered by creationists before Darwin and is now an important part of the biblical creation model. An evolutionary propagandist book from the U.S. National Academy of Sciences is typical. Darwin could not see how these observations could be explained by the prevailing view of his time, that each species had been independently created, with the species that were best suited to each location on the earth being created at each particular site. However, this was not the biblical view. Rather, it is a view akin to the progressive creationist view of the likes of Hugh Ross which was due to an a priori rejection of the biblical flood. According to the biblical model, the flood destroyed the whole earth, which was repopulated from animals dispersing from the ark in the mountains of Ararat. So biblical creationists would expect animals on the Galapagos Islands to have arrived from mainland South America and expect island creatures to be varieties of the mainland creatures. Biblical creationists would even predict rapid formation of new varieties and even species. This is derived from the fact that many modern varieties of land vertebrates must have come from comparatively few animals that disembarked from the Ark only 4,500 years ago. In contrast, Darwin thought that such a process would take a very long time, but an 18-year study by zoologist Peter Grant indicated that variation was rapid enough for a new species to arise in only 200 years, which is inadvertent support for the biblical creation model. And sometimes, variation seems to be cyclic. While a drought resulted in a slight increase in beak size, the change was reversed when the rains returned. So it fits with built-in adaptability to various climatic conditions, rather than Darwinian evolution. Thus, compromise with millions of years was not only an appeasement that allowed Darwin to make further inroads into biblical authority, it also hindered the development of coherent models. A single man stands behind the greatest deception in history. Charles Darwin's ideas still penetrate every aspect of our culture, including science, religion, and education. And while much has been made of his contribution to the evolutionary hypothesis, little has been publicized about the dark side of the man himself and how this may have impacted the quality and legitimacy of his research. The daring and compelling book, The Dark Side of Charles Darwin, takes its readers behind the popular facade of a man revered worldwide as a scientific pioneer and unveils what kind of person Darwin really was. The book reveals disturbing facts that will help you perceive Darwin firsthand through the eyes of family and friends and his own correspondence, and will help you discern this darkly charbled man struggling with physical and mental health issues and uncover his views on eugenics and racism and his belief that women were less evolved than men. Thoroughly documented, the dark side of Charles Darwin book reveals his less-than-above-board methods of attempting to prove his so-called scientific beliefs and his plot to, quote, murder God by challenging the then-dominant biblical worldview. Get your copy today of The Dark Side of Charles Darwin at creation.com forward slash store. I am Joseph Darnell, and for all of us at creation.com, thanks for listening.